0: Good evening everybody. Thank you for joining us here once again for our prime time Bible study here at Calvary Baptist Church in Gaylord, Michigan. The original air date of this podcast is Sunday, February 27th here in the year 2022. Hard to believe when I hear that t- that year listed. And we're continuing with our study of the book of Ruth from the Old Testament. This is actually our fourth week in Ruth. The first week was an overview that included uh, I find a very helpful seven-minute video from a website called thebibleproject.org What I find is that their material gives us a good overview. Now no source of Bible study material has everything that you need and none of them are going to have everything that you completely agree with. There are some not within our church, but there are some uh, out on the internet who have criticized the Bible Project because they believe that it is soft on the concept of the atonement. I don't know that that's a fair criticism or not. I just know that they produce very high-quality videos that are useful tools. That doesn't mean that we endorse absolutely everything that they say and do. So that's in that overview from three weeks ago. Then two weeks ago was chapter 1, and then last week was chapter 2. And in chapter 2, Naomi and her daughter-in-law, Ruth, have arrived back in um, Judah, that southern kingdom of Israel, to the very small town of Bethlehem, the very same Bethlehem that centuries later Jesus will be born into. And being widowed, both of them are facing a reality, the um, Their ability to provide for themselves is very limited. And so Ruth goes out to go to work. And one of the things that she is facing is that it's the beginning of the harvest season, of barley and then of wheat. And one of the the laws, one of the Jewish laws, is that you don't harvest everything from the corners of the field and anything that falls on the ground when you're in the process of harvesting, reaping, it's sometimes called, If it falls on the ground, you leave that so that the poor have something that they can take. It was a form of, essentially a form of welfare, you might say. And in the ancient world, it was a way that people who were willing to get out there and work at it, it was there available to them. And Ruth goes out and she shows up in one of the fields and just starts working. And very quickly they begin to say, Who are you? Where'd you come from? But the man that owns the, the fields and that all the other workers are working for is a man named Boaz, who actually was something of an acquaintance of Naomi's late husband. And this man, Boaz, essentially says to Ruth, Look, you don't have to just take the stuff that's left over. Why don't you come to work with my crew? I, I, I know about your family's situation. I've heard about how loyal that you've been to your mother-in-law, Naomi. You don't need to go and just take the leftovers. Come to work with my crew, and we're going to take care of you. Welcome aboard, is basically what he says. And so that's what happens in chapter 2, and then now we go to chapter 3. And this is where it it gets interesting, uh, but also where you can see God's hand at work very, very much and how what happens eventually will lead to the birth of Christ. It's a reminder to us that God is always large and in charge, even in situations that on the surface seem very sad and very hopeless, particularly as the widowed Ruth and Naomi would have seen the world at that time. So let me pray for us, and then we're going to go into Ruth chapter 3. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for the power of technology. Podcasts are not the answer to all of the world's problems, but they are a way to be able to use technology in a positive way, to hear your word taught in a portable form that people can listen to any time, any place, if they have the means and if they have the willingness to listen. Help us, Lord, to use the good tools you've given to us. Help us, Lord, to trust you in all things. And help us to love what you've called us to do more than we love anything in our past. And we just ask this, Lord, in your name. Amen. All right, so we are in Ruth chapter 3. And let me pull up a couple of commentaries, one on my iPad and one on screen here. And we're going to dig into this, Ruth chapter 3. In the first nine verses, remember, as widows, Ruth and Naomi had a difficult task. They were looking ahead to and uh, back in chapter 1 verse 8 and 9 it talked a little more about what a widow's life was like then but when naomi heard the news about boaz her hope for the future was renewed that's from ruth chapter 2 verse 20 and typical of her character she first thought of ruth and encouraging her to see if boaz would take the responsibility of being what, uh, Ruth, what chapter 2, verse 20, calls the, the family redeemer. Here's, here's what it says in Ruth 2, verse 20, from last week. And Naomi said unto her daughter-in-law, Blessed be he of the Lord, who hath not left off his kindness to the living and to the dead. And Naomi said unto her, The man is near of kin to us, one of our next kinsmen. Verse 21, And Ruth the Moabitess said, He said unto me also, Thou shalt keep fast by my young men until they have ended all of my harvest. And then in verse 22, And Naomi said unto Ruth her daughter-in-law, It is good, my daughter, that thou go out with his maidens, that they may keep thee not in any other field. So she kept fast by the maidens of Boaz to glean unto the end of the barley harvest and the wheat harvest and dwelt with her mother-in-law. So Boaz said, come to work for me. And he even said, stay by the other women who are working for me, and I'm going to tell the men to not give you a rough time. You'll be safe here. And so then we go into chapter 3. And at the beginning of chapter 3, it starts out here by saying the following. Then Naomi, her mother-in-law, said unto her, My daughter, shall I not seek rest for thee, that it may be well with thee. Kind of a reminder of it is well with my soul, the famous hymn. And then in verse 2, And now is not Boaz of our kindred, with whose maidens thou wast. Now that term, thou wast, that's certainly not the way we would say something today. And when I go to pull that up, as a a translation of that, this is the strange thing, is that it uh, it does not come up directly. As a translatable word, maidens refer to a a young woman, or a a young girl. But is it not, Boaz, a family friend, whose maidens that you're you're following and that you're working with? Okay, behold, he winnoweth barley tonight in the threshing floor. Now that threshing floor is one of those things that this chapter is known by the so-called threshing floor scene. This is where they would grind the grind the grain. And so in verse three it says, Wash thyself therefore and anoint thee, and put thy raiment upon thee, and get thee down to the floor, but make not thyself known unto the man until he shall have done eating and drinking. And it shall be when he lieth down, that thou shalt mark the place where he shall lie. And thou shalt go in and uncover his feet, and lay thee down, and he will tell thee what thou shalt do. And she said unto her, All that thou sayest unto me, I will do. And then verse 6, And she went down unto the floor, and did according to all that her mother-in-law bade her. So this is Ruth goes down unto the floor, and does everything that Naomi had said to her to do. Verse 7, and when Boaz had eaten and and drunk, it says, by the way, drunk, in this case, this is the, typically, it is the, the past tense of drank, but there's also a question here about uh, whether or not this is a worker in weaving. So there's an interesting discussion of this. Whether he's drunkenness or whether he has finished drinking and eating for the evening. But the hint here is his heart was merry, and he went to lie down at the end of the heap of corn, and she came softly and uncovered his feet and laid her down. So let's take a look at this, and uh, don't get your eyebrows raising up too much with discomfort on anything. Remember, God's Word tells of the things that happened, and he was in charge of all things. So on this case here, let's take a look, and... Uh, Let's take a look at a paraphrase here, starting back in Ruth 3, verse 1. One day Naomi said to Ruth, My daughter, it's time to find a permanent home for you, so that you're going to be provided for. This man Boaz is a close relative, or at least a a close acquaintance. He's been very kind in letting you gather grain with all of the other women who work for him. Tonight they're going to be working on the threshing floor. They're going to be winnowing the barley. Now as I do tell you, please go take a bath, put on perfume, dress in your nicest clothes is basically what he's saying back in in verse 3. Then go to the threshing floor but don't let Boaz see you until he has finished his evening meal and be sure to notice where he lies down. Then go and uncover his feet and lie down there. He will tell you what to do. This is what Naomi instructs Ruth on and then Verse 5, Ruth says, I will do everything that you say. So she goes down to the threshing floor that night and followed the instructions of her mother-in-law. Verse 7 is talking about the way after Boaz is finished eating and drinking, he's in good spirits. Now whether that means he's drunk or whether he just simply is happy because he's had a good meal and he's relaxed, that can be debated. But then he lays down at the far end of the pile of grain and he falls asleep and Ruth comes along quietly, uncovers his feet and lays down. Around midnight, Boaz wakes up and turns over, and he's surprised to find this young woman lying at his feet. <laughs> In verse 9, he says, Who art thou? And she answers and says, I am Ruth, thine handmaid. Spread, therefore, thy skirt over thy handmaid, for thou art a near kinsman. Um. She's basically is saying, Spread the corner of your covering over me. You're my family redeemer. You're my family redeemer. And he said, here's Boaz's response, Blessed be thou of the Lord, my daughter, for thou hast showed more kindness in the latter end than at the beginning, inasmuch as thou followest not young men, whether rich or poor. Verse 11, Allow now, my daughter, and now, my daughter, fear not, I will do to thee all that thou requirest, for all the city of my people doth know that thou art a virtuous woman. And now it is, is true that I am near thy kinsman, howbeit there is a kinsman nearer than I? Verse 13, Tarry this night, and it shall be in the morning, that if he will perform unto thee the part of a kinsman, well, let him do the kinsman's part. But he will, if he will not do the part of a kinsman to thee, then will I do the part of a kinsman to thee, as the Lord liveth, lie down until the morning so verse 14 and she lay at his feet until the morning and she rose up before one could before one could know another that's really what it says she's laying at boaz's feet until morning and she gets up before there's light enough for them to recognize each other boaz says no one must know that a woman was here at the threshing floor he says let not be known that a woman came under the floor then verse 15 also he said bring the veil that thou hast upon thee, and hold it. And when she held it, he measured six measures of barley, and laid it on her, and she went into the city. Verse 16, And when she came to her mother-in-law, she said, Who art thou, my daughter? And she told her all that the man had done to her. So let's take a look at this. Verse 15, Boaz says, bring your cloak, spread it out, and he measures six scoops of barley, puts it in the cloak, and places it on her back. Then he turned. Then he returned to town, and Ruth goes back to Naomi. Naomi says, what happened? And Ruth tells Naomi everything Boaz had done for her, for her. And she added, he gave me these six scoops of barley and said, don't go back to your mother-in-law empty-handed. To me, the, um, the language in, uh, in the scripture, in the King James translation, um, is a barrier to some level of understanding, especially if somebody is not a strong reader. And then verse 18, where it says, Then she said, Sit still, my daughter, until thou know how the matter will fall, for the man will not be in rest until he have finished, this thing, finished the thing this day. Basically, she's saying, Be patient be patient until we hear what happens the man won't rest until he has settled things today now it's an interesting discussion because some of this is is foreign to us and yet <laughs> and yet it's as old as uh, as old as humanity let's take a look at some of this at the beginning of chapter 3 naomi says to Ruth, the time of the harvest is over, and Ruth and Boaz had been around each other a fair amount in the weeks covering the barley and the wheat harvest. They'd had the opportunity to get to know each other. But in the customs of their day, we can hardly say that they were dating in the way that we think of dating in a modern culture. And By the way, right now I'm reading from excerpts from the Enduring Word Bible Commentary. Published by David Guzek, a longtime pastor in Southern California. And Dr. Guzek goes on to say they were not paired off as a couple with one on one time. Rather, they spend their time together in the context of a group the men and the women who worked for Boaz in the harvest. From God's perspective, there is much in the so called dating game that works against forming healthy, lasting relationships. For many people, dating is means the continual making and breaking of casual relationships, patterns that teach us more of how to end relationships than how to make them last. In addition, dating is a superficial way to get to know someone. Each person in a dating relationship is essentially putting on a mask for the other. They're trying to always look their best. You don't really see the dirty laundry, so to speak. For example, Many women have been deceived into thinking a man is a good, nice man because he's nice to them in a dating relationship. And that may be what he's trying to do, but he wants a more permanent relationship. A better gauge to measure a man or a woman is to see how they act towards each other in a group setting because sooner or later, that's how they're going to treat you. So that's what this Bible commentary says. So over the period of the harvest, Ruth and Boaz get to know each other. And they do so by seeing what kind of people they were around a larger group. Then it continues on because Naomi knows that Ruth could best be taken care of if she was married. So she suggests that, Naomi suggests that Ruth appealed to Boaz for that. In terms of a sense of security, the Hebrew word for security comes in verse 1, and it's the same word for rest back in Ruth 1, verse 9, where Naomi had hoped that her daughters-in-law would find a sense of rest and security in the home of a new husband. This Hebrew word, it's actually pronounced menawach, uh, speaks of what a home should be, a place of rest and security. Now, you might easily think this was inappropriately forward of Naomi to suggest this to Ruth, it's possible to think that Ruth, Naomi plotted with Ruth to uh, set a man trap, <laughs> essentially, uh, to go out and hunt down a reluctant Boaz for marriage, but that's not generally the way this is interpreted. Naomi's suggestion to Ruth was, had its roots in a, a custom in ancient Israel, the meaning behind the Hebrew word goel, Uh, The point of Naomi's question about Boaz is she basically says, we know him well. He's, if not related, he's, he's essentially a close member of the family, if not related. And that term kinsman, by the way, is sometimes translated as redeemer, a specifically defined role in Israel's family life. This kinsman redeemer was responsible to buy a fellow Israelite out of slavery back in Leviticus 25. He's responsible to be the avenger of of blood, to make sure that if a family member was murdered, that the murderer answers for the crime. This kinsman-redeemer is responsible to buy back family land that had been fortified. That's from Leviticus 25 also. He's responsible to carry on the family name by marrying a childless widow. That's Deuteronomy 25. In this, we we see that that Hebrew word goel, this kinsman-redeemer, was responsible to safeguard the persons, the property, and even the prosperity of the family. Words uh, from that root, goel, are used in a variety of meanings in the Old Testament, but the basic idea is that they're fulfilling their obligation as a kinsman. Now, in uh, verse 2 to 5 of chapter 3, Naomi instructs Ruth how to appeal to Boaz to exercise his responsibilities as her kinsman redeemer. So she says, first, wash yourself, show a keen knowledge of just simply male behavior. She instructs Ruth to be pretty and good smelling, okay? Look good, put on your best garment, and leave Boaz alone while he ate. Don't make yourself known to him until he's finished his eating. I don't know if that's the ancient equivalent of the way to a man's heart is through his stomach. <laughs> But um, these are customs that we're not as familiar with. And yet, there's just a certain reality there that um, the appeal between the genders with a mutual respect and love, nonetheless, has its roots way back to God's creation. Even though it's a fallen creation right now, nonetheless, when Adam first saw Eve, my impression is he was absolutely overwhelmed because she was like him, but different. And his reaction was, you are bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh. So what happens here is that after Boaz finishes eating and then he lays down and at the appropriate time, Naomi says, go in and uncover his feet and lie down. Now, some people think this is a provocative gesture as if Ruth was offering herself to Boaz. But That's not how it would have been understood in the day. My understanding is that in the culture of that day, this was simply an act of submission. In that day, this was understood to be the role of a servant, to to lay at the master's feet and be ready for the command, the next command. When Naomi tells Ruth to lie down at Boaz's feet, she told her to come to him in a very humble, submissive way. Now, don't lose sight of a bigger picture, please. And this is something that... uh, Guzak makes a strong point of in his commentary. Ruth came to claim a right. Boaz was her kinsman-redeemer. She had the right to expect him to marry her and to raise up a family to perpetuate the name of her late husband, Elimelech. But Naomi wisely counseled Ruth not to come as a victim demanding her rights, but as a humble servant trusting In the goodness of the kinsman redeemer. So she says to Boaz, essentially, I respect you and I trust you, and I place my fate in your hands. By saying, All that you say to me, I will do. Ruth humbly and wisely received the counsel of her mother in law, Naomi. Um, Here's a couple of different statements made by different commentators. One of them says, On the whole, we must say, had not Boaz been a person of extraordinary prudence and continence, this experiment might have been very harmful to Ruth. We have a hard time easily accepting the description because we view it through a modern day lens. Now, so in chapter six and seven, uh, basically she. She goes in to the threshing floor and did what her mother-in-law told her to do. And after Boaz had eaten and had finished his meal, his heart was cheerful. He lies down at the end of the heap. She comes in quietly, uncovers at feet, and lies down. And then about midnight, Boaz is startled. He turns to himself. There's a young woman lying at his feet. He says, who are you? She says, I'm Ruth, your maidservant. And at this point, it was probably just kind of an amazing scene. We can well imagine that Boaz was startled. He wakes up in the middle of the night, turns in his sleep, knowing someone's there, but not being able to see clearly because of the darkness, and he's, he's half awake. Since Boaz had been there to protect against thieves, it must have given him something of a shock to wake up and to find a young woman there. But what she wanted to do is be taken under his wing, you know, uh, she identifies herself. She makes a request. Essentially, take your maidservant. She's showing great humility and submission. She prevents herself as Boaz's servant. And she boldly asks him, essentially, to take her in marriage. The phrase can be translated, spread the corner of your garment over me. Culturally speaking, in that time, it was a way of saying, I am a widow. Take me as your wife. So the spreading of this garment over a widow is a way of claiming her as a wife. And that, by the way, is attested to among Arabs of early days as well. Even to this present day, when a Jew marries a woman, he throws the skirt or the end of his talith over her to signify he's taken her under his, his protection. By the way, God uses a similar terminology in Ezekiel 16, 18 in relation to Israel where he's essentially saying, I spread my wing over you, and I cover your nakedness. I swear an oath to you, and I enter into a covenant with you, and you became mine, says the Lord God. And then Boaz responds in verse 10 to 11, and he says, Blessed are you of the Lord, my daughter, you did not go after a young man. Apparently there was a significant age difference between them. It seems that because of this, Boaz considered himself unattractive to Ruth, and therefore he ruled out any possibility of romance between them. This also shows something else about Boaz. Technically, he had the right to try to force himself upon her if he was viewed as her kinsman redeemer, but he did not. He wasn't going to say, now there's a woman I want, I have a right to her. He was kind enough not to act unless she desired that. It also shows something else about Ruth. She based her attraction on Goaz more on respect than on image or appearance. Very often today we, we fall in love with an image or an appearance rather than with a person we can really respect. So Boaz made Naomi look absolutely brilliant in her advice to Ruth and the plan worked well. And Boaz was attracted to her but because of her character. We don't know how, he look, how she looked, but we do know that she was a woman of godly character. Now, verse 12 and 13 speaks of a potential problem. There was a nearer kinsman. Apparently, though Boaz was recognized as the, uh, as the kinsman redeemer for Ruth, there was another individual closer to her than closer to her deceased father-in-law. So Boaz couldn't just claimed to exercise his right unless this kinsman-redeemer relinquished any rights he might have towards Ruth. Wonderfully, Boaz was not willing to cut corners. He was going to do God's will, God's way. And he went that if it was really of the Lord, then it would be done in a proper way. So he sends Ruth home, and Ruth and Boaz are not trying to hide anything scandalous. It was just Boaz didn't want this nearer kinsman to learn that Ruth was wanting a right to marriage uh, before Boaz could tell him personally. So he measures six measures of barley as a proper gentleman. He doesn't want to send Ruth home empty-handed. He didn't have chocolates to give her, so he gives her six handfuls of grain. A modern measure today would be something to the order of 33 gallons of grain, more than Ruth could possibly carry home in her shawl. And by the way, Jewish traditions say that six measures of barley were given as a gift to Ruth as a sign of six pious men who would descend from her, endowed with six spiritual gifts. Among those being David was one of her eventual offspring, which later on led to the birth of the Messiah, Jesus Christ. You see how it's all connected. It's all connected. And when we get into verse chapter 4, we'll see how it works together. But this was a time of considerable anxiety for Ruth. She had claimed her right of marriage and she would be married. The only question was, who is it that she would be married? Would it be Boaz or would it be the the somewhat nearer kinsman redeemer? The issue would be decided that very next day, and in the very next chapter. And that's where we will pick this up next week. As always, I thank you for listening. I appreciate your faithful following of these podcasts. I encourage you to share them, share them with people who you think might enjoy hearing them. Have a great week. God bless you, and I look forward to seeing you again very soon.